Hello everyone, welcome back to Time Flies. We're here with Jonas. Jonas, say hey, how are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about uh, Jonas's book. Can you tell us what is the title, what is it about, and all that good stuff? Uh, the title is, it's called uh, The Little Book of Stoicism, subtitled Timeless Wisdom to Gain Resilience, Confidence, and Calmness. And um, yeah, we launched... Uh, in mid-January, mm -hmm. and it's it's been a really interesting couple of weeks now, right. and the launch went pretty well. We're really happy. We I think today we're gonna have around three thousand copies sold, so nice. we're really happy about that. Yes, and the, the feedback so far has been amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we're really glad how this all went. Yeah, I mean we put in a lot of work, and then. You want to see how people perceive the book, and so far, yeah, people really enjoy reading it and tell us how much they like it, and it's really good, you know, people appreciating it, and yeah, it's 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 been good. <laughs> nice, nice, perfect. Because I mean, yeah, we, uh, for those who haven't listened yet, we had a, an interview in this podcast a few episodes ago, and yeah, at the very end, you you. You just explained a little bit of what the book was about. And I mean, I was very interested. You said something about keeping it simple as if you were to explain explain stoicism to a five-year-old. And I definitely see how this book can be a perfect introduction to someone who just started. Like, I, I just recommended it to my my young cousin. Uh, she She's very into philosophy these days. And I said, like, this is a book you should start with. Because that simple way of explaining the main concepts. And, and you also explain the history and then... You have the the practices which are very, uh, yeah, very practical, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. what what inspired you to this format? Because can you explain a little bit of how how you divided the book in these two parts? Yeah, so I had this uh, idea in mind that there's a, a book is missing, you know, mm -hmm. in stoic literature. So I started out with Ryan Holiday and his book, The Obstacle Is the Way, right? And it's basic. It's based on one stoic idea, and I really enjoyed the book but after reading it i felt like i know nothing about stoicism and so i really started reading many books on the topic especially you know the original texts mm -hmm. and they know textbooks right i mean right. seneca wrote letters to his friends and family right. marcus aurelius wrote uh, you know uh, you know a journal he wrote down couple things every day just to himself basically mm -hmm. and Epictetus just taught philosophy mm -hmm. but he didn't write down anything right. it was only his uh, his student Arian who, who wrote down uh, his his main idea so right. when you read the the main texts it's it's still hard to get a, a clear overview of the philosophy right so yeah, once I wrote this article, you know, that's giving an overview and mm -hmm. people really enjoyed it. And and me too. I mean, because I did a lot of research and I felt like there's so much more to this wonderful philosophy. So, yeah, I kept on reading about it and writing on the blog. And yeah, it, it just was too clear to me that there's 
a simple book is lacking. I mean, even Donald Robertson, right. you know, a stoicism and the art of happiness. It's a, a great read, and it's still right. hard to to understand. You know, the core ideas of this philosophy. So, I had it in mind. You know, to to, to write something that's that's missing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I didn't have a clear structure in the beginning, and then it turned to me that I need to to, to make these two parts. You know, one part theory and the other part practices and I mean during the writing process <laughs> I mm-hmm. made changes to the structure and everything and somehow it ended up like like it's being published now and I'm really happy with structure actually yeah. because I think it's 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 an easy read right yeah no it's, it's definitely super simple to read and, and like you said like there's the obstacle is a way which is really focused on this idea of turning uh, turning these advantages into opportunities, which is really valuable, and I see, and I see how we can all apply that, and I love that book. But yeah, it's not it's not an introduction to stoicism, and it's in- interesting how a lot of people get interested in stoicism by that book. But yeah, even though there's Anna Robertson, there's a bit of Massimo, and there's a bit of uh, Bill Irvin, like all of these guys, they do they do these introductions to stoicism, but I didn't find anyone that was as as easy to understand as yours. It's the most simple to understand. I would advise a lot of people to just start with that one, with yours, because yeah, like is this main, main concept just explain to someone who really doesn't know about it yet. And it really illustrates the idea in a very powerful way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, that was, that was exactly the idea, you know, it's right. because I was this guy, you know, who didn't know about stoicism and wanted to learn about it and, I somehow struggled, you know, even, yeah, I think uh, Irvine's book is, is fantastic, yeah. you know, giving you all the ideas and somehow still it's, it's not so easy then to, to grasp the philosophy, you know, yeah. as a whole and to understand all its ideas and explain it, you know, to other people. Right. That's what I struggled with most yeah. because I read so much about this philosophy and I was intrigued and I, I loved its ideas but when I wanted to tell about tell about uh, or tell it to friends you know they I couldn't explain it properly yeah. I was like this is a great idea and this is a great idea but stoicism I don't know in one sentence or just simply explained that was that was really yeah the part I was struggling with right exactly and and then can you explain just a little bit of, like, if there's someone out there who really doesn't know anything about stoicism, can you explain it, like, in simple terms? Like, it doesn't have to be one sentence, but how can you explain it to someone who just got started? Yeah, I mean, I try to to, to come up with the, as simple as possible mm-hmm. way, and I created this stoic happiness triangle, right. which I think is explaining it pretty well. So you have a triangle, and in the middle of the triangle is eudaimonia, which is a, a Greek word, and it often gets translated as happiness, but it's mm-hmm. it's happiness isn't the, the perfect word. That's why I went with the original Greek word, which means more, you know, a smoothly flowing life, you know, that you, your life goes well and you, right. you, you're, uh, you're good. You're good right. with yourself. 
So that's basically your goal. And that's actually the goal of all philosophies, you know, to, to, to live a smoothly and happy flowing life. Right. So that's, that's the goal of Stoic philosophy. And so and the triangle obviously has three corners. And the first one is live with arete. It's another Greek word and it's, it gets translated as virtue. Mm-hmm. And I think the easiest way to understand it is that you can imagine your best self. So you have your ideal self and then you have where you are right now. So, and you basically try to, to show what you're capable of. So you try to be your best version of yourself moment to moment to moment. So it's all about character, basically, you know, just be, be good and do good and be as good as you can be. That's in short, you know, the first Mm -hmm. corner, second corner is, you know, I think the yeah, most cornerstone idea of uh, stoicism, which is focused on what you control. Right. So the Stoics say there's no sense in, in you know, um, crying about something you don't control because you cannot control it, right? If it's raining, it's raining. And uh, if things break, they break, right? right. Much uh, better focus on what we have control and that's only our our own actions and yeah to some extent our thoughts and perceptions so really you you take the given situation and see what you can do about it and then focus on what is uh, in your power right what's in your control and then the third corner is to take responsibility for your own life Mm -hmm. So you, yeah, you try to be your best. You focus on what you control, and these things are basically enough to get to this uh, eudaimonia, to this uh, happy and smoothly flowing life. Mm-hmm. And you must take responsibility, you know, to to accept, you know, the given circumstances, and don't be a victim, you know, if because if you're a victim or have this victim mentality to always complain about everything you don't even control. You, it's impossible to, to lead the, the good life. Right. So you must take responsibility and take the situations as they are and try to make the best with it and see that your perception or yeah, how you look at the situation is, is the most important thing you can do, you know, to, it doesn't matter what happens, but what you do with what happens. Yeah, perfect. No, I mean, those are the main ideas of Stoicism, definitely. And and when you read the book, you can see it visually. You have that representation of the triangle. And I, I was also meaning to ask, and I forgot in the last interview, like uh, all the drawings that you have in the in the website and in the book, these this graphic representations of these ideas, um, do you draw them all? Uh, how do they work? They're really interesting. I draw them... Mm-hmm. I draw them myself first, but then I, I give it to our artists okay. to, to draw them nicer because <laughs> I'm not the best drawer. Okay. And we have uh, a Greek girl, actually, who's doing these drawings for us. Nice. So we <laughs> we have the ideas and we, we send it to her and she's she's doing all the magic. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And she pronounces all the Greek words as well, I assume. <laughs> 
Yeah, she understands everything. <laughs> right. It, that, but that's uh, yeah. that's all by chance, you know. Right. I didn't choose her for being Greek. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a fun part because right. she's read now about stoicism as well because I mm-hmm. sent her so many things to draw, and she she always tells me that for her it's really interesting because it, yeah, it's. Basically, it's in her culture somewhere, you know, 2,000 right. years back, and it started yeah. where she lives now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting how we have these places like uh, yeah, Greece and we have Rome, and they they have just changed so much, but the core is always there. Like, that's where all of this comes just came from, and it just always blows my mind how, how old Stoicism is. Like, I keep reading Seneca, I keep reading Marcus Aurelius, and I can't believe they're so so ancient, like so much things, so many things happened throughout history and and a lot of knowledge got lost. But when you go back there, like that's that's where the real knowledge is and it all goes back there. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's been lost or it's, right. yeah, I think people lost it and now it's coming back, yeah. which is, I think it's great because I believe that uh, if all people, you know, practice a little bit of or some of these ideas, right. I think the world would be a, a nicer place because everybody is trying to be nice and everybody's trying to, to be their best. Right. The world must be a better place then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I listened in an interview of some others, so one of the modern authors, they were saying, like, how would the world be if everyone practiced stoicism? And he just said, like, that's impossible. There's no world where everyone would. But if there was a world where everyone would, that'd be amazing. And I think the reason why stoicism really works is because, um, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get too much into the discussion of religion or anything like that, but but it's not a religion. It's kind of like an open open source philosophy where everyone can contribute and, and change things and decide this part works for me, this part doesn't. Uh, is there, I don't know, what is your experience with that? Like, do you think uh, the, it, writing your book, did you feel you could... Uh, change a bit of stoicism to the way that you understand it? Do you feel you have that freedom? How how did it work for you? Uh, I, I, th- I never felt like I have to change anything right. in this philosophy, but, you know, maybe the language. Yeah. For example, today a woman told me, and she doesn't uh, understand English so well, and she told me, you know, she read that quote in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. and... She said it was really hard, you know, to to understand it. Mm. And that's maybe the language has changed, right? And the the these texts have been translated a long time ago. Right. And the language has changed and now often these quotes are not so easy to understand. So maybe that's what I've been trying to do mm-hmm. with the book, you know, to, to explain it. I mean, yes, as I understand it, but also mm-hmm. I think as it was meant to, to be understood, right. but just in, in other words, you know, and, and I mean, that's what Ryan Holiday has been doing yeah, fantastically, you know, just to, to, to break it down and let everybody understand the, yeah, these wonderful ideas. Right. So, but I wouldn't say that I try to to put too much of my own opinion in it, or mm-hmm. just try to explain it, maybe with some own ideas, and you know, 
I mean, I I used some analogies, you know, I used this yep. um, Swiss legend, you know, to explain. Yes, yes, yes. Idea. And that's just something for me that helped me understand the Stoics' ideas. But right. it's not a change of the idea, it's just uh, explained it uh, in simpler terms. Right. Yeah, no, it's amazing how even like Marcus Aurelius has that that famous quote of if anyone can show me a better way to do things, I will gladly change my mind because I seek the truth. And I, w I would say like the Stoics would be very happy to, for us to change the ideas and to adapt them however we wish. But what is so amazing is that even though we have that freedom as modern Stoics, we still are very connected to the to the initial core concepts because they're so strong and they like human human nature doesn't really change. It's more of the context of how we explain it to people in this world and in this this modern version of language. But yeah, the concepts are so strong that they don't really need to be changed that much. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, that's one thing I like about Stoicism is that you, it's not the hardcore philosophy. It's not like exactly. like many religions that tell you exactly what to do. In, and Stoicism is, is free, you know, you, you can take what helps you and leave away what doesn't or, right. and I mean, certain things might uh, light something within you and others don't, you know, some make sense and others don't and you take what, what helps you and you leave away or for, maybe you live for later in life when you, you will understand it or when you see it differently. But you take what you want and, I mean, you're not judged, you know, you just, right. you're, good, you're good the way you are and if, if some ideas help you and make your life better, that's, that's great. And if not, you do it your way. Yeah, exactly. And then I also really like the way how uh, in the book you, you divided between the, the kind of more theoretical side, like explaining the basic concepts, and then the practical concepts, and you use this analogy, which I would like you to explain a little bit here. But you said um, it's kind of being a surfer. First you learn it in the in the land, and then you go to the water. How how did you come up with that? Can you explain it a little bit, how you use that element? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> stoicism is very much about, you know, practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... They say, you know, if you learn these things not to... Put it in practice. What do you learn it for, right? I mean, you you must exactly. use it in your daily life if, if you want to reap the benefits. And so, Stoicism is a very practical philosophy. And so, even you know, the theory part is basically a lot of things that you can put in practice. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this analogy because that was my experience with surfing. You know. <laughs> When I started out surfing, I mean, I'm, I'm not a good surfer, but I, <laughs> I learned it a while back uh, a little bit, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to get in the water, right? Because that was <laughs> surfing for me to to surf some waves. <laughs> but then this guy who taught me, he took me on the beach and on the dry sand. Mm -hmm. We had to learn a couple of basics, you know, how to to pop up, you know, and how to paddle mm -hmm. and how to stand on the board and all these things. And that was, first I was maybe a little bit annoyed and thought, I just want to go in the water because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to get 
I want to learn it, right? And mm-hmm. then as soon, I, I mean, it didn't take a lot of time on the beach. And then uh, we already went into the water and I quickly realized that the, the things he taught me were necessary, you know, to, right. to survive in the water because I wouldn't have a chance to, to pop up if I didn't learn it before on, on the land. Right. And yeah, I, I saw some similarities to stoicism that yeah, there are a few things you must understand before you can practice. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you have the basics, you can go out and practice, practice, practice. I mean, it's there's not a lot of magic, you know. It's just know the basics and then go out and apply it. Right. You know, I, I love that because it's it's a very interesting analogy. It's just like this way. How I mean, I heard this other anal- analogy once, which was life is like being on the stage of a theater and you're playing violin, but you're also learning to play violin as you play. And that is kind of life. And and you just yeah. like need to keep learning as you go. But if you can do this thing of going back to the sand, learning the basics and practicing it as soon as you know it, and then you go back and keep doing that, it's a much smoother process. And that way you can learn things in a better way. Exactly. I mean, uh, right. plus you, you'll be happier, you know, if you can learn to play the violin at, at least a little bit before you exactly. you're on stage. Right, right. <laughs> right. It's gonna, you're just gonna fail miserably. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, what else you got? You also have uh, one of my favorite chapters of the book. It talks about, yeah, I mean how there are some things in our power and there are some things that are side of our power, and then you talk about things like the weather. You gave this example of stepping on <laughs> crap and you have your shoe dirty, and usually we tend to say. Uh, okay, this ruined my day. It's a horrible day now. I stepped up. Crap. My <laughs> yeah, this, this got to ruin my day. How do you advise to go about that? You explained it very well, but I want you to explain it because it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always uh, many ways, you know, you can, you know, perceive such a situation. But I mean, mm-hmm. it won't help anybody, you know, if you complain about the, the crap on your shoes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> it happened, right? <laughs> right. You can either complain and it can ruin your day right. or you can just clean it off and move on. I mean, it's really, <laughs> I mean, this just, uh, it's, I think it's a, it's a, an example. It might not be a perfect example, but it's just, <laughs> it is perfect. <laughs> you know, so many things happen and most of the things we complain about on a daily basis mm-hmm. are really, uh, trifles, you know, just yeah, banalities that happen on a daily basis right. all over the world, you know, to people. And if we're, I mean, if we get knocked out by these minor things, then how are we going to, you know, live a, a good life? Yeah. Because, I mean, there's going to be much, much worse than a bit of uh, crap on shoes or uh, stain on a dress or, you know, squid marks in the toilet or these things happen on a daily basis all over the world. And we cannot afford, you know, to complain about these banalities, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I said that mm-hmm. we should imagine that as it happened to someone else, you know, right? because if you see this person, if I imagine you, Santi, yeah. You know, standing in a, in a 
dog shit on the street <laughs> and then going nuts, you know, and uh, crazy about it. I just think you, yeah, you are crazy because it's just dog poop and <laughs> it's, it's nothing really. Yeah. Right. So if we imagine it happened to someone else, we're much kinder with ourselves and we just say, oh, okay, it's, it's life, right? It happens and it's no big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's it's really it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. And and also like there's there's that moment that you were explaining how the moment something technically bad is not really bad. Like it's just it might be perceived as annoying, but that's just our perception. But something like that happens. You step on the on the on the crap, right? And then you have this split of a second, like this moment where you can choose to to react by saying like, ah, this happened or this ruined my day. And you have that choice in that split of a second, you can decide to say things as they are or to let them annoy you. And I think you explained that very well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think maybe a, a better example might be that when, a, I don't know, an apple falls on your head, mm -hmm. you can either complain because it hurts right. or you can just eat the apple and be grateful <laughs> for the <laughs> gift, you know, you just received. Right. And it's with many things we have the choice whether it's it's good or bad. It's a it's our reaction that makes a situation good or bad. I mean, we judge it. Right. Maybe this dog crap saves your life. I don't know because yeah. you're gonna be late, miss the train, and the train might gonna crash. You know, and yeah. then you won't complain about the dog crap on your shoes, but you'll be happy about it and. It's um, with many situations in life. I mean, you never know the consequences, mm -hmm. you know, of of those things. So you you can't really tell whether it's good or bad. Exactly. It's just it's just reality, and take it as it is, and it's it's good the way it is. Because yeah, you might complain about it, but later you really you'll realize that it, it was a good uh, incident. Yeah, right. Right, exactly, and and I I realized that you mentioned that in your book you you send uh, people to watch the Ellen Watts video, and I'll link it here, yes. which is amazing. And, and yeah, I mean I'll link it. I recommend anyone to go see it. Is a like a two minute video that you mentioned in the book, and it's that thing of like yeah, something bad happened, and everyone says like oh oh that's really bad, and then the the character says maybe, and then that that leads to something else. Oh that's really good, maybe, <laughs> and then something keeps changing. I really recommend anyone. To go check that out, but it's that thing you yeah. never know the consequence of of a misfortune or a good fortune, because it can always exactly. lead to something else, right? Yeah, I mean it's everything's so complex you don't really know what what's going to happen next, and you can't tell whether something's good or bad, right? Right. Yeah, I think if you if you just watch this video, I mean it's mm -hmm. the book buying the book was worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I think this is a phenomenal video. I mean, it's it's so simple yet it explains so much. Yeah, yeah. It's good if you link it. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely that. link it. It's called the Chinese Farmer, something like that, by Alan Watts on YouTube. Yeah. No, it's perfect. Uh, what else we got? You also have, um, well, you have the 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 analogy of the surfer. You have <laughs> the dark crap. What is any any other thing? Ah, yeah. Okay, I, I I remember you also mentioned poker, and I really like that because you yeah. 
I've I've heard that a few times, but not <laughs> not in this way. You, like you really went in depth with how poker can be a perfect an analogy to life. Can you explain it here? Yeah, I mean, in poker you have you have the cards that you've been dealt, right? Exactly. And you 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 must play exactly those cards. You cannot choose your cards, and in life it's similar. You you cannot really choose the things that happen to you. I mean, I, I think I I say something like. You'd rather have a double ace yeah. in your card, and uh, in life you you choose a healthy wife and uh, you know a nice house and everything, but you, you don't choose those things. And then what makes uh, the good players really remarkable is that they play the cards they have the best, right? And over the long term. You know the the best cards won't help the worst players, and the worst cards won't, you know, uh, hinder the the best players. I mean, over the long, over the long game of life, you know, you it depends on how well you play mm -hmm. your cards and not the cards you, you've been dealt. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you're basically explaining there how you don't get to choose everything that happens in life because. Things will be, I mean, things will happen the way they will happen, and there's so much that it's not in in our control. All, we, all that is in our control is is really a few things. Like, uh, I mean, you explain it a little bit, but things in our control are really our reaction. I think that's the biggest one. And yeah, I mean, starting on stoicism, I I always thought health was completely in my control, but not really. Like, you never know if you're gonna get a disease. That's also kind of outside of your control. Uh, you don't control how long you will have the people around you. And yeah, yeah, there's just so many things outside of your control. And it's something that we need to remind ourselves constantly. Like, it doesn't matter how long you've been practicing stoicism, you tend to forget these things constantly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, um, you know, uh, Viktor Frankl mm -hmm. has this, you know, stimulus response idea that there's a gap in between, you know, what happens, mm -hmm. the stimulus and your response. And that's, he calls it the, the human freedom, you know, human freedom of uh, of yeah response mm -hmm. and he says we are responsible or we response able we res we're able to choose mm -hmm. our respond right. and so if something bad happens in most cases we react automatically you know right. just i hit you i hit you in the face and you i don't know you get angry automatically <laughs> right. but then you if you're aware enough you can take a breath and get in the gap and right. choose your best response. And that's available to all of us if we just uh, bring in enough awareness into the situation and then we will be able, you know, to step in between stimulus and response and choose our response uh, voluntarily. Yeah. And that's, yeah, the this biggest freedom we have, you know, to to not be like an animal and respond automatically, right. but choose our response. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that gives you a, a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I remember you have a graphic in the book that shows you that, that split second that you have for your response. And I, I experienced something right before setting up this interview. Like I usually, I mean, right now I have hanged out like, my bed cover between the shelf and, and this closet thing. And right before 
setting everything up. I was kind of in a hurry trying to plug in the computer, a few cables that I have for my microphone. And a little thing in my microphone kind of broke. Like, I mean, I take responsibility. It was definitely my fault. And I, I noticed that moment that you were talking about. I was about to be annoyed. I was about to say, like, oh, the interview is ruined. And then I realized, like, it doesn't really affect the microphone. It doesn't really affect the quality of conversation that we have. And I decided to not not give it a, a big importance. It doesn't need to be a huge deal. It doesn't have to ruin my day. So thank you for that. Like, your book really helped me to, <laughs> to remember that little concept, which is so important. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I'm happy we, we didn't have to, to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, any particular stories of that moment that you notice? Ah, it's a good question. I mean, yes, sometimes I lived in Egypt. That's actually where I wrote the book mm-hmm. for a bit more than half a year. Okay. And there we often used uh, taxis to, to get around, right? <clears throat> and we, we didn't speak the language, we didn't speak uh, Arabic. Right. So, and it's very touristic there. So the, the cab drivers, they, yeah, they like to, to, to get a good buck, you know, for their time. And they, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say they want to rip you off, but they want to yeah, take, take some of your cash, right? Right. And, and as we lived there, I mean, I, I knew the prices and I knew how much I should pay and I knew those things. And sometimes I, I got a bit annoyed, you know, at the, the cab drivers, you know, when they really insisted on, on their price, which was ridiculously high. Right. And I wasn't always able, you know, to, to stay as calm as, as I wanted to. But in many cases, I I just realized, you know, okay, that's the situation now, and keep calm. I mean, yeah, I think that's what, what's coming to my mind, uh, that often when you feel um, treated unfairly, that you, you react right. harder than, than you, you'd like, because you, you really fight for your fairness, treat, getting treated fairly, and if that isn't the case, you... I don't know, you feel maybe a bit angry or yeah. judged unfairly and those things. And I mean, if you get angry at the cab driver, mm-hmm. it's not going to help either of you, right? Yeah. So you just need to think of a better response. And if you're able to to get in the, this gap, you know, and stop yourself from reacting automatically, yeah, you're just a much kinder person. You're, you will be better off later when you reflect on your day and you, you realize, okay, yes, you did well with this cab driver opposed to, yeah, you, you were really an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's uh, many situations, you know, you, that, that, you know, uh, need your awareness. And so you can stop yourself from being a a dick sometimes. (laughs) Definitely. No, I agree. I agree, and is that is that a moment, right? Yeah. I mean, and I mean, we have to remember that we we've all been we've all been there, you know. We've all yeah. all been or we've all uh, treated other people not in a in our best way, right? right? When I don't know, maybe you had a bad day and something happens and you're you're mean or something. I mean, we've yeah. all been there, and uh, there's no 
no reason in judging other people when they are mean or when they have the bad day or when they reacted on wrong information or when they had another view of the situation and other perception. We must remind ourselves that, uh, I mean, we've been in their shoes as well. And so I think if we're aware enough, we can really be, you know, more forgiving to those people and show our best, you know, and not react unconsciously. Right. Is that moment of self-awareness that that you that you explain of just understanding yourself, how how you react to things, and then that empathy that you should develop for others, and a very important concept which which you did mention in the book is taking responsibility and and just making sure that you are accountable for your own actions. Like there's there's not really much you can do to change other people's behavior. Like there's it's very little that's in your power when it comes to other people and. You also talked about, if I'm not wrong, on your role of being a good person. Like you could, you could not be treated kindly from the other side. Like say you have a a bad relationship with with a father. I think it was an example that you gave, and and if you you don't have that, it's one sided. Like you're the one giving in a relationship, and you're not getting back. The right thing to do is to keep giving your side because the other person is harming themselves. Themselves. Like if you do your part you will live a virtuous life and you will see the the reward of that, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you explained it very well. I mean, there's always, you know, in a relationship, there's always uh, two parts. I mean, you have only your part. I mean, if you're, you may be, or I'm a, I'm a son to my father yeah. and my father is being a, a father to me and it's different roles right. and I can only play my role and I mean, Theoretically, if my father is isn't the best father, that's not uh, on my or under my control, right? I can just be right. the best son or try to be the a good son, right? Yeah. And yeah, we yeah you play your role well, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you can do. You cannot change uh, other people. I mean, maybe you can over time, but Right. Not in the situation. Uh, so you can just play your given role well. And even if others don't play their role as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, uh, based on what you just said, it's it's not our responsibility to change others. All we can do is change ourselves. And when we change ourselves and we improve ourselves, we end up maybe influencing others to change. But that's so something that's always out of our control, and it's so hard when it's someone that we really care about in our lives that we see doing something wrong with their lives, they're wasting the time or something like that. Like we care about them and we may want to change them, but it's not really up to us. All we can do is be good people and, through example, hopefully influence them to make better decisions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. you you can you can maybe co-direct you know the outcome but it's not entirely under your control i mean whether it's something only for you or whether it's in a relationship you can only play your car your role Mm -hmm. or your cards yeah i mean if for example if if i want to to write the book i mean i i try to write a good book right but whether people are going to like it or not, or 
whether anybody is going to buy the book or not is is not entirely under my control. It's my actions that will co-direct the outcome. I mean, they will influence the outcome. Obviously, if if I put in more effort, probably it's going to be a better book and it's mm-hmm. going to be perceived better. But maybe still, if you give your best, maybe or if, maybe the book is still crap, right? <laughs> you can give your best and write a, an awful piece. That's always possible. And yeah, I mean, it's the same in relationships. Right. Maybe other people will change because of your actions and maybe they won't. I mean, yeah, you never know. You just, yeah, you can just play your part and try your best and accept the others as they are, even right. if if you don't disagree, right? Uh, if you don't agree, right? Yeah, I mean, stoicism is really like a like such a powerful tool in all of these things. Uh, also, like, yeah, I mean, in modern life, when someone writes, someone like you writes a book, and you put a lot of effort and a, and a lot of like uh, your time and energy, you yeah. you you as a stoic, like someone who believes in this philosophy, you will try to focus as much as you can in what you do control. But at the end of the day, like yeah, I mean, stoicism is not asking you to never care care about anyone else. Like you're writing a book and you're sharing it with other people, and you care about them learning something from you. Like it's not about wanting each other's validation, but of course it's useful to know that other people are getting value out of it because you don't want to be just writing things in a book that no one's going to read. So what do you think How what do you think is the role of validation and sharing our experiences with other people and sharing our value with other people? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think first and foremost, it's most important thing is what, what you do and that you try to be your best in every moment. Right. And I mean, there's... Certainly, there's uh, situations that that you know you you can give in your opinions and you can share your values and mm-hmm. you can talk about your ideas and you can talk about stoic philosophy, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think people appreciate you know appreciate it if you 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 give them some valuable ideas. Right. I mean, but you cannot control whether it yeah exactly makes sense to them or not right i mean if i tell you that you should focus on the things you control and take the rest as it happens mm-hmm. yeah if it makes sense to you you're grateful for for the advice and if it doesn't make sense to you i mean you i mean it doesn't really matter to you and it shouldn't mm-hmm. to me neither because it it must la- light the, the bulb in your brain basically and that's up to you right i think uh, osho mm-hmm. is like a spiritual teacher and he 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 said that what if what he says yeah makes sense to you it's it's that's already within you and it's not up to him right it, he just he shares his words basically and maybe it means something to you and maybe it doesn't, but that's already on, on your side then. If, if it means something to you, it's already with you and it's your responsibility and it's not 
he doesn't want to change anything within you, right? He just shares what helps him or, and yeah, yeah. it's, if it makes sense, it's always for you. It's, it, that belongs to you. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. yeah, no, it does make sense. And it's, it's that thing of doing things for inherent value because you believe in something and, and you hope that it might help someone else. I, I heard this amazing analogy in a, in a video by Jim Rohn. Uh, this guy's amazing. He gave public speeches in the 90s and way before that. But he, yeah. he really uh, captures this idea super well of sharing knowledge, which goes, uh, knowledge is like having a glass of water. And if you have a full glass of water, you've read a lot, you've learned a lot throughout the years, and you have a lot of knowledge uh, is it possible to fill it up with more water if it's already like super full, like to the top? And he said, yeah, but at first, if you want to fill more water in that, you'll have to share some of the water that you have. So you give it to other people's glasses that are, that are like half full or empty and you share it to them and then you can keep having new water. So if you want more knowledge, one should give, give some of that knowledge in order to get more. And I love that analogy. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> right. I've heard of it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, super good. Uh, and still, I mean, uh -huh. it's possible that others, you know, lose their water. I mean, if you, if I give you some water, it might yeah. be possible that you spill it. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> he did say. He did say. Uh, some people have their their glasses upside down, so they can't get any water in them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, okay, uh, moving on, what else we got? Um, why, I, I was going to ask you, like, I don't know if uh, the book uh, has 55 practices, right? Uh, was there any reason yeah. for the number 55? I was just curious. No, there's no reason, actually. <laughs> right. I just, I, I just jotted down all the ideas, and, uh -huh. or so many ideas, and I ended up at 55. Right. And, I mean, I, I still left a few out. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I called the book The Little Book of Stoicism and I mm -hmm. couldn't go I, make it any longer, right? Because it turned <laughs> exactly. out not little anymore. <laughs> but right. oh, there's no reason. It just happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, perfect. <laughs> it have well been, I don't know, 53 or 60. Right. I think I preferred 55 to 54, so <laughs> I, I was right. happy with 55. Yeah. But that really... It was by chance. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's really good because um, I was I was just thinking, why the number 55? Because I, I've heard that Massimo Pellucci is going to release his book and it's 52 stoic practices, one per week. But, I mean, that's a different format and it's interesting. I was just curious how people formulate their structure. Like, there's also the Ryan Holiday 366 uh, daily practices yeah. of stoicism which I noticed that you mentioned a few times in the book as well. Uh, did you think of of the way people would read these practices? Uh, for example, I try to do one a day. Like I read one, one, one practice of yours a day and I combine it with, with the introduction. But was there any intent for you to be like that? Any suggestions? Um, yeah, do it as it uh, you know works for you. For right. me... I mean, with Daily Stoic, uh, 366 practices, mm -hmm. I mean, I just read a few a day. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I I read it and then I read another one and another one. Right. So that's, for me, I read the book just as it goes. Mm -hmm. And 
even yeah, with the Massimo's book with the 52 practices, I mean, I'm going to read it in, in one swoop probably. <laughs> right. So or maybe in two or three swoops, but not with one practice a week. Right. For me, I think this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I want to... If I read, I want to keep on reading. And if I like it, I read more. If I don't like it, I take a break. Right. But yeah, so if I couldn't tell you how to read the book. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's up to you to decide. I, I think I, right. I like how you read it, you uh -huh. know, one practice a day. I think that's great. Yeah. But personally, I I couldn't do I couldn't do this, I think. I would read. I would read one and then I would feel like, continue reading and <laughs> right. I would just until I have something else to do yeah no I mean I, I agree like it's really up to whoever has a book to read in the whatever way they should fit uh, the 366 by Ryan Holiday I do it in the morning and then yours I was doing in the evening and in between I usually read uh, some other book or, or some some extra parts of books I love and yeah I think it's really important for each person to develop their system, like whatever works for them. I think if it's someone who just got started in stoicism, maybe the one one page a day is really useful, like it gets builds momentum. But if you like to combine books, that's also a, a very good way. It's interesting because, I mean, when I was younger, I, I just didn't read enough. And now I can't stop like consuming good content all the time. Like I don't even watch that much TV. I'm always, I'm usually in audiobooks. I really love audiobooks or like books uh is there any is there any preference for you? Like, do you prefer print or audiobook? I prefer print books because mm -hmm. I I mark a lot of pages and I right. yeah I for me that's just the most practical way to to read a book. Mm -hmm. Even Kindles, yeah. I read a few on my Kindle, but yeah, I'm I'm more the paper guy. I right. prefer paperbacks. I think it's yeah, it's just for me. Right. I like to go back to books, you know, and I see immediately what I marked and what what was important to me when I read it last time. And also when I use a book, you know, to 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 write a, an article or something, mm -hmm. that's for me. It's been the best practice so far. Yeah. And audiobooks is for me. It's mm -hmm. it's not the best solution because I. I sometimes like to skip parts. Right. You know, if it's a part that I don't care so much at the moment, I, I just skip it. Mm -hmm. and I think it's that's harder with audiobooks. But uh, to be honest, I I've only listened to one audiobook right. <laughs> so far, and it it was okay. But I mean, I think it's great if you're uh, traveling a lot or if right. you're you know you know going to work every day for half an hour. I think then it's uh, really good to have audiobooks. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, the the reason why I brought it up is because I've heard it in a few podcasts, this discussion of audiobook versus print. And maybe the reason why I brought it up is because I would encourage anyone who wants to learn more to find what works for you. Like, I've heard some people like, like you, like what you said, you like to skip some chapters sometimes. Like, you don't have to finish up the book if it, not all of it is interesting. Uh, you don't have to do things a certain way just because someone else does. Like I realized that audiobooks were really well for me. I have like over 10, 15 audiobooks. That's how I learn most most of my things. And I would yeah. encourage anyone to, yeah, like find find the thing that works for you. Because to me, like books, I don't know, like I couldn't concentrate that much when I first started. I mean, when I was younger. 
and then I discover how Audiobooks really work for me. And yeah, it's just that idea of understanding what works for you and, and applying it, because the important thing is to learn. The way you learn is not as important as the fact that you are learning, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on how you live. I mean, mm -hmm. for some people, you you must listen to audiobooks because you're on the road all day long, right? And I mean, they need to find a, an option for them to, to keep on learning new stuff. And, right. And I mean, I, I must think about, you know, releasing the book in uh, as an audiobook. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be really cool. Um, what else? I just wanted to ask you, like, uh, on your writing process, like, is there any particular habit that you have to help you write? Like, do you have a very tight schedule? How does your writing process work? Uh, mainly I ask because I've been interested in writing and I've been doing it for a bit, but, but yeah, I mean, you're an author and I want to know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can tell you about how I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, as I said, I lived in Egypt, and then mm -hmm. there I basically was a full-time author, if you want. And it's if I look back, I mean, I'm I'm laughing now because <laughs> uh, I see myself, you know, struggling there on my desk. So <laughs> I would get up in the morning, you know, and I always prepared the night before, so I mm -hmm. knew what I wanted to do. So we would get up, do a short morning routine, do some movements, do some meditation, and then start writing. So I would uh, uh, pour me a cup of coffee and sit down on my desk, you know, with all the, the papers, with the notes and the, the structure of the book and all mm -hmm. the ideas, and with my laptop. And I wanted to start to write, right? And on many mornings, it was a big struggle, you know, I had this... I, I call it inner fire dragon or something, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's holding you back. And uh, so I, I read a lot uh, from Stephen Pressfield, okay. mainly his book, The War of Art, that helped me yeah. immensely, you know, du during the writing process. Uh, I read it before and then I read it again. And, you know, he, he says this inner resistance Mm -hmm. is what's holding us back you know we just for some reason can't put it on paper and because something inside you is holding you back and for me it was really this dragon or monster that was really powerful and was just holding me back and pulling me back so I would get up from my chair and walk around like a tiger in a cage mm -hmm. and then fall flat on the couch uh, hiding my face behind my palms and, you know, feeling like, oh, shit. I really just wanted to get up to write and now I'm lying here. And for some unknown reason, can't right. get myself to actually start writing. Yeah. And yeah, then I would get back up and read a few pages in The War of Art and suddenly it, it, it would always, I just had to get working. I had the momentum and I could keep on writing. But this... This fight with my inner dragon was uh, accompanying me almost on a daily basis. And I just, I knew I had to accept the fight and to keep on, you know, trying, you know, focusing on the process and trying my best and, and yeah, just getting started. So I would, I would change, you know, the way I planned right. my writing. Uh, so always the night before 
I would write down in more detail the exact next steps and really tiny steps so I could get started. And it's really been a, a yeah process mm-hmm. in you know personal development in writing basically. So it's right. just when you write a, an article, it's it's it might be a similar fight, but much much more small. And with this book, this inner resistance is just huge, or at, yeah. at least in my case. And, you know, when you read The War of Art, you, you understand that it's it's not only you who have this inner resistance and these struggles, but it's most creative workers, they experience this and you just need to, you know, go through it, basically. You cannot go around, you just need to to keep on working yeah, through it. And so after a couple of weeks, I mean, I got better and better. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just uh, kept on writing. And what's been important to me was uh, self-compassion, you know. Right. I think it's the art of being nice to yourself, yeah. you know, to... To be okay if after a couple of hours you just wrote a couple of sentences, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay because you, you focus on, on your effort. And if you've been working for two hours straight and if you've been highly focused and if all you've got is two sentences, that's okay. You always stay kind to yourself and that reading the war of art, I'd say those two things. And having a, a clear routine i mean i had this fixed routine every day and that right. helped me massively because i didn't have to make any decisions in the morning right. the first decisions i made was maybe the first sentence i wrote but before that i had everything uh, laid out and i had my clear routine and i think that helped immensely yeah so yeah maybe it's three things self self-compassion mm-hmm. the world and uh, clear routine perfect nice amazing and that's a tip that helps for anyone trying to create anyone for anything for themselves like for me it's currently this podcast there's a lot of people trying to to start their own either youtube videos or or their blogs uh yeah no it's, it's such a valuable advice and no i appreciate that uh any extra thoughts man before we wrap it up yeah i mean just know that uh everybody's struggling really right you know the, those people who are really successful i mean they they've gone through through much worse you know it's right. yeah so there's a this great quote that's coming to mm-hmm. mind is uh, what is to give light must endure burning wow so basically yeah it's it's normal to struggle it's normal to to feel the pain and uh yeah, it's it's always going to be hard, you know, to, to produce something of value or right. yeah, just to, to keep on growing. It's, it's everybody's struggling. And I think if you know that, that's really helpful that, you know, all everybody's struggling and everybody's going through rough times. And yeah, uh, it's, it's normal to, to go through dark times, if you will, or to, to painful moments right yeah perfect awesome man uh okay i'm gonna do the final question 
which I already did in last last uh, interview with you because you're the first one to be two times in the show. But <laughs> like to be honest, I didn't come up with a better question. So the question was, if you could have a conversation with one of the ancient Stoics, uh, who would it be and why would you ask? And last time you chose Marcus Aurelius, so you have to change it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Maybe I didn't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I talked to Epictetus, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm curious about his his life. You know, he was a slave, mm -hmm. and he has this crippled leg. Yeah. And I think we don't really know where that came from exactly, the crippled leg. And I think I I just like to to know his experience, you know, with you know being handicapped. Right. And you know, being a stoic, and if he's if he's just you know, it's just the way it is. It's okay, and I'm doing my best with it. Or whether he's he's been had his you know own fight, you know, with the leg and being unhappy about it, or or I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. It it's just I'm I'm curious about his life, you know, and right. we we don't know so much about it, and I just know he's was a slave and I think he'd have a, a lot of interesting stories, you know, yeah. turning from slave into teacher. I think yeah. that's uh, an amazing life story. And uh, I'd love to, to chat with him about his experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned this thing in the book, which I've heard maybe only once somewhere else, but I, I tend to forget that Epictetus, isn't his real name like his name is lost to us epictetus means remind me correct me if i'm wrong but is it like property or owned by someone else in greek right yeah uh, I, i needed to check but yeah yeah exactly his uh, property i think yeah i think it's property that's crazy that's crazy <laughs> like why <laughs> why is the name lost that's so that's so interesting that guy is so interesting Yeah, yeah. I think it's because he, he was just a slave, and the, right. his owner called him that way. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Yeah, it's his nickname, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's really interesting. Man. Yeah, awesome, man. Okay, uh, so uh, where do we send people to um, to your website? Like, say your website name, and where can they find the book? So our we website name is nchlifefacts.com, mm -hmm. and you can find the book yeah almost everywhere where books are sold nice. well i think maybe mostly online so far at the moment it's still a goal you know yeah. to get the book to bookstores but at the moment i think that isn't the case yet so uh -huh. as maybe you can put the link you know to to yeah, the definitely. book page mm -hmm. so that's just anti-lifefax slash The little book of stoicism always uh, with the dashes, the dash, little book of, yeah. Perfect. I'll send it to you. Okay. All right. Perfect, Jonas. Thank you so much for being on the show. And yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the chat. <laughs>